So good morning, Eastside family. We want to, um, as you'll notice, there's some teenagers that are interrupting us this morning. They are handing out invitations to our Christmas Eve service as well as to our Christmas Day service. And I'd like to ask that everyone please take one. While on the one hand, we want to encourage all of you to be here on Christmas Eve, as Amy was mentioning, and on Christmas Day service, I want to encourage you to invite someone to come with you and use these invitations to do that. You know, there are a lot of people that, that they're really not people of faith. They perhaps would even say they're not Christians, but, and they don't really come to church. But a lot of folks make an exception on Christmas and Easter. And you know, the statistics show there are a lot of people that would come to church if they were invited. So now you've got an invitation to uh, hand out. As a matter of fact, I, I thought of the person that I'm going to give this to. I'm going to start praying for them, and I'm going to give it to them this week. This Christmas Eve service, we're in the book of Micah for our Advent series, and we're going to be looking in chapter 5. It's the, basically the, the message the message of the gospel. We're gonna, he gives us a condensed message of the gospel, and we're going to take a look at that. And we're going to just share, share the message of the gospel as Micah presents it in a condensed form. It is a tremendous opportunity, church, that we have to make the good news of Jesus known to our, our family members, to our friends, and uh, to our co-workers, to people that we meet in the store, just a whole bunch of different people. So that's announcement number one. I've got a lot of stuff to say here. Announcement number two is, last past Wednesday night as I was teaching the class, I said, I'm not sure if we're going to have class or not. Listen, we are having class, and um, it's going to be incredible. going to be a very excellent presentation, and that's because I'm not delivering it, all right? Um, you, you really don't want to miss it. So yes, yes, we will be having class. That's not a question anymore. That's another thing. And then, and then we have over here, Daniel Wolf has all these guys that are members of this Taekwondo team. They are now our new security team. And so we are delighted to have them. I said, if they say anything, anything at all, they need to get up and just give the good old, that's right, he's demonstrating right there. We appreciate that. Um, Okay, so the other thing I wanted to mention, so you got an email, a care mail this week. If you're not getting care mails, you're missing a whole lot of stuff coming out from this church. We communicate through our care mails. And we sent out, Mercy's Gate, this organization we donated our, our harvest offering to, we sent out a, a care mail that was just a letter from them thanking us for our offering. And then along with it came a, a, a video. I'm not going to show the video. I'm not going to read the whole letter. But it was so encouraging, especially when they said, here's what's going to happen with your, the money you sent. Just want to mention this. $7,500 of the money that we donated uh, for our harvest offering is going to help uh, for housing assistance for 15 families at $500 a household to help alleviate pressures of possible eviction over the holidays. That's real. $2,500 is going to assist 10 families at $250 per household uh, for utility assistance just to keep their heat and their lights and the utilities running. Uh, another $3,000 of what we donated is going to help 20 families 
uh, with medical assistance at $150 per household. There's going to be $2,000 that's going to be food assistance for 20 different individuals or families. There's $750 that's going to go for transportation assistance. So somebody that doesn't have the capability to buy gas to get to work or get to the doctor or for a job interview. $750 is going to assist families with clothing assistance. And Jason Dilger, the uh, director wrote this. He says, Eddie, this means that 180 households are receiving relief assistance in a crisis. And when you take the average number in each household, he writes, that means 468 individuals are being impacted directly due to Eastside Church of Christ financial giving through our donation. And you've got to understand, this it, he has here, these figures are not including... Another $2,500 that some of you didn't donate on the day of, but you sent it directly to them. It also doesn't include the 60 gift food bags plus the 60 grocery uh, gift cards that go along with each of those bags that we're going to be taking this Wednesday to Mercy's Gate. Some, a team of us are to give to individual families. And so I'm just kind of getting to be a broken record. Again, I am so proud to be a part of this church family and so thankful for the way that God positions us to be a light in our community. So now to bridge us into our sermon this morning, we're going to watch another Christmas video masterfully done by our own Addie Leonard and it features actually some of you. Let's take a look. that you ever gotten? What's my favorite? Um, well, I got a grandson who was born December 1. That was a pretty good one. Uh, just being able to enjoy what I have. Okay, Ben. What is the best Christmas present you've ever gotten? The best Christmas, bet, Christmas present I've ever gotten was a Lego Millennium Falcon a couple years ago. Hi, what's the best present you've ever gotten? Six foot tall stuffed animal teddy bear. What's the best Christmas gift uh, present you've ever gotten, Caitlin? My mom got me a pack of 30 chapsticks. <laughs> What's the best Christmas present you've ever gotten? A, a big Barbie house. A big Barbie house? Yeah, what about you? House. You also got the big Barbie house? That's awesome. What's the best Christmas present you've ever gotten? Basketball. Basketball. Awesome. American Girl doll that was sold out in the American Girl store in Denver. So my mom texted my dad, who was on a trip in Boston, and he checked that AG store and picked it up. But since he didn't have, his suitcase wasn't big enough to carry a doll, he put it in his co-worker's bag. And so they like opened it up at the airport and pulled out an AG doll. And so like I opened it up when we were opening gifts and like just started screaming because I had like no idea that my parents had gotten that for me. The best Christmas present I've ever gotten was this book, Wings of Fire book, that came out a day early, but I'll let my past self explain it. <laughs> Look at Hayden. Terry and Jason, 30 sticks of chapstick is the best present she's ever gotten. 
My goodness, what is the best Christmas present you've ever gotten? Well, today somebody came up to me and actually gave me one that maybe it would fall into the top 10 Christmas presents that I'm not sure it's my the top one, but it says here pastor because elite devil crushing samurai isn't actually a job title. So <laughs> I was thinking about wearing this today. But uh, I opted not to. I want to tell you today, um, my, the best Christmas present I ever received. And, and it's in this, this Advent series that we're, we're following in, in the book of Micah. It's Micah's an Old Testament prophet and he sets the stage for Christmas. He really does. He tells this incredible prophecy of the Son of God that is going to be born in Bethlehem. And so in this context of the book of Micah, we're basically, every single lesson we're asking one question is what is it that God wants for Christmas from you? The book of Micah gives us the answer to that question. It's in chapter 6 and verse 8. We read, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That's what God wants. Three gifts. That's why you see up here on the stage, not just random reason, but that's why there are three big wrapped presents up here to represent what God wants for Christmas from you. As we look today at this second gift, which is to love mercy, we discover that not only it is a gift that God has given to us, but it's a gift that he asks us to give to others And it's the greatest gift ever given. It's the greatest gift you could ever receive. So I'll tell you a personal story from the greatest Christmas gift I ever received. And I'm almost certain I've told you this before. So I thought, well, I'm not going to do that. I thought, well, you know, every Christmas we tell the same stories like the night before Christmas. Nobody goes, we've heard that before. We love hearing it again. We sing the same songs. And so... At least smile and, and, and let me tell this story one more time. Second to the story of the gift of God's mercy given to me in Christ, I don't know a better way to paint a picture for you in my personal life story of God's mercy. As I've shared with you in the past, as a teenager, I was as bad and as wild as bad and wild could be. I was constantly in trouble. And not just with my teachers, not just with my parents, not just with my Sunday school teachers, one sitting here that knew me as a middle school kid. I was in trouble with the law a whole lot. Got arrested. I got expelled from high school. I abused alcohol. I abused drugs. I was very immoral I made my parents a living their life I made their life a living nightmare for a number of years and in spite of their goodness to me I just kept hurting them again and again and again and I I just I rejected pretty much everything they had taught me and especially the Christian faith. 
that they had attempted to hand down to me. And it got so bad that eventually I moved out of my parents' house. I was happy, they were happy, and I moved to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, about 30 miles from where I grew up in Nashville and Franklin. I, I moved in with my grandmother. Maybe Granny can help Eddie out. And, and MTSU, Middle Tennessee State University, is there, and so I made an attempt to go to college. I finished my first semester with a 1.0, and the reason my GPA was that high is because I had a C in tennis. Oh, all the rest of the grades were F's. My parents had actually given me another chance in life. They had paid for that first semester of college, and I wasted it. And so I dropped out of college... Even, I'm not that I'm sure they would even let me stay in. And my life began to spiral downward even further, so much, so much so that my mom, I, was, I have here, made me move out. She kicked me out of my grandmother's house, and she should have. And that's an incredible story. When I teach about Jesus driving the money changers out of the temple, I use that story of my mother getting me out of my grandmother's house. It's about the equivalent, righteous righteous uh, act it was indeed and so the next thing you know I found myself homeless that was kind of weird so I would stay I would stay I had a car so some nights I would sleep in the back of my car some nights I would sleep on friends couches and one night I was in my car and I had a bottle in my hand I just tossed it out the the passenger side front window there thinking the window was down but it wasn't and the window broke and it was winter and it was cold and I laid in the back of that car trying to figure out the right position to sleep and trying to figure out how to stay warm Sometime later, I don't know why, I went to my grandmother's house. It was probably to take a shower, and I don't remember specifically. It was probably December 23rd or December 24th, and this, this is dating me. Um, there actually was a day before cell phones, and in this day before cell phones, my mom and dad couldn't call me directly, so they called my grandmother and said, hey, look, if by any chance Eddie happens to stop by the house, would you please tell him that we want him to come home for Christmas? And so I went to Granny's house, and she said, hey, your mom and dad want you to get home for Christmas. And I, I wasn't planning on going home because I knew I wasn't wanted. Not their fault, my fault. I knew I didn't deserve to be there. I didn't know what I was going to do for Christmas, but they invited me. So I got in my car, and I drove the 30 miles from Murfreesboro to Franklin. And it was December 24th, and it was cold, and it was snowing. All these big snowflakes. I remember seeing them dropping on my, um, on my windshield. It's kind of like a Hallmark movie almost. It's snowing on Christmas Eve, and there's a beautiful Hallmark music, except mine was, you know, probably ACTC or some kind of heavy metal on the radio. And there was cold wind, and there was uh, snow blowing in the side passenger window and so I finally got to my parents house and I, 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 I can see every step of this right now I got out of the car and I walked into the back door which goes into the kitchen and my first impression was how warm it was because <laughs> I was cold the second thing I noticed was over there in the corner they had an incredibly beautiful fireplace going 
My third impression I remember was the beautiful aroma of mom's home cooking. It was amazing. I think my sister Susie was there. <laughs> a, a lot of these stories are foggy. And my parents greeted me with, with such kindness. It was all awkward. So after this incredible dinner, it was always our family tradition on Christmas Eve to go into the living room and to exchange gifts. I sat by the fireplace and I, I had not brought a gift. I didn't have any gifts to give. And I didn't matter too much because I knew I wasn't going to get a gift. It was just enough that they had invited me. But they actually gave me a, an envelope as a gift. And in it was a $100 bill. Or a check, I can't remember and somehow they had figured out that my window was broken in my car and they said to me we wanted to give you this money so that you could have enough money because they knew I didn't to fix the window to your car and at that time $100 was a lot of money okay so long time ago I, I didn't know what to say because see, like, I had not called them a week earlier and apologized. That hadn't happened. It's not like I had turned my life around and changed. And so here, Eddie, here's a gift. That, that hadn't happened either. But they gave me this gift anyway. And I got to stay for the night. I went into my old bedroom. And I'm telling you, the, the bed was so comfortable. <laughs> The blankets were so warm. The pillow was so soft. It was, it was such a far cry from the back seat of a car or, or a friend's couch. In this incredibly dark time in my life, in spite of all of the hurt that I'd caused my parents and all that I had done to them, I knew that they still loved me. I knew that they hadn't given up on me. And for some crazy reason, they wanted me with them. They couldn't bear the thought of me not being with them at Christmas. What is it that God wants for Christmas from you? He's told us. Or one translation says, He showed you to love Mercy. Like I said, second to the mercy of God given to me in Christ, I, I don't know a better way to paint a picture of mercy. Not because I got a hundred dollars, because it was undeserved mercy. And so in Micah chapter 1, we, we, we've discovered that Micah, in chapter 1, verse 1, we discover that Micah prophesied during the king, time of the kings, um, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And so you want to know, well, what was going on during that period? So you go back to 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, and you learn all about that period of these three kings of Judah. And so one morning as I was preparing for this series, I just immersed myself into 2 Kings and, and 2 Chronicles to learn the history of the people of Judah during this time. And, and it, was, it, was, it was a drama. It was, like, it was like being on a roller coaster with highs and lows, but the lows were really long and the highs were far and few between. So like there were these, there were these fleeting moments of faithfulness to God 
It was, but it was almost like they were teasing God because immediately they had plunged deep into disobedience and rebellion. It was so short-lived. And there in 2 Chronicles and 2 Kings, I read of just compromise, so much evil, so much hypocrisy. I read of constant, I mean, it's just idolatry is the main theme of God's people. Not God, but idolatry, false gods. I read stories of them killing their innocent children. I read stories of them involved in sorcery. King Ahaz, I read, how he closed the doors to the temple. And God had been so good to them, so patient. One of the words in the, in the, one of the translations, so long-suffering, as my parents had been. He'd been so forgiving again and again and again and again. And they had been so defiant again and again and again and again. And so I finished Second Chronicles and Second King. And then I just poured myself into Micah to read the historical context of the people to whom he was prophesying. And it's the same kind of stuff there. I got out my journal and I made a, a list of all the sins that are listed of the people uh, to whom Micah was prophesying in that day as recorded in his book. And it was this incredibly long list. And you're just sitting there going, I remember stopping and looking up and saying, God, how did you do that? Because you're sitting thinking, when is he ever just going to go, I can't do this anymore. I, I, I don't need this. I am done. And so all that Micah writes of this dark period of the people of his day it all culminates in this, in this verse, out of context, you go, what's it doing there? But if you understand the historical context, oh, you see. We're in chapter 5 and verse 1, and we read, Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel. Alone, you don't understand that. But these words, prophetic words, along with many other prophetic words of many other of the prophets, they tell of the invasion and the destruction of the nation of Judah by the Babylonian armies, the Babylonian empire. And it was prophesied that their nation would be completely destroyed. The people would be taken into exile. All would be lost. And this would not be, wow, too bad for them. This would all be because of their own doing. It was the consequences of the choices they had made in their lives. And so, after this Babylonian invasion and destruction of the land and sending them away into exile, you then would think, well, we all know how the next verse is going to read. It's going to read something like, but in, the, um, but in this moment, God was finally done with these ungrateful people and they were never heard of again. End of story. And we'd say, yeah. But that's not how the story goes. Chapter 5 and verse 2. Those famous words repeated in Matthew. But you, O Bethlehem. And here is this famous prophecy of the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Telling how this great king and shepherd would come. And I love this theme of the remnant. How he would take the remnant. That means all that was left of their lives. The broken 
pieces and how he would put them back together and how this king and shepherd would call them to come back home to their homeland and to their God. And there Micah writes that his people would dwell secure and he would be their peace. But you have to understand they hadn't apologized for what they had done. This is not that they had finally turned around and changed their lives. They hadn't. But God still loved them. God had yet to give up on them. He couldn't bear the thought of them forever being separated from him in exile in Babylon. And so he sent his son as a gift to them, a gift to us, to call them and to call us to come home. That's church, the gospel. And it's something that though Micah's message of prophecy, it opens up and you go, I don't want to read this. Just doom and gloom and sin and consequences and impending judgment. But then you got this prophecy that pops up in chapter 5. It's a story of mercy. And if you want a, a book definition of mercy, you keep reading till you get to the end of Micah. In chapter 7, in verse 18 through 20, where God's mercy is so beautifully described and defined. Listen to this. Who is God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over transgressions. Iniquity and transgressions, that's just fancy Bible language for horrible, stupid, defiant stuff that we did. He forgives. He passes over for the leftovers, for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever. He doesn't hold it against us even though it seems like he should and that would be right. And it's not like, all right, let's do this again. Keep reading. He delights in steadfast love. This is what he delights in. He will again have compassion on it. And really, the context would say he will again and again and again and again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast not some, not most all, all of our sins into the depths of the sea. Church, this is mercy. You will show faithfulness to Jacob. We haven't been faithful. We weren't faithful. We weren't faithful. He remains faithful to Jacob. And steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. This is the gift of God's mercy to us. It's an amazing story. What does God want for Christmas from you? It's here in this context of the story of God showing his mercy to an undeserving people that we find the answer to that question. He has told you, O oh man or mortal, depending on your translation, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to love mercy. And isn't that interesting? He doesn't say show mercy. He says to love mercy. To be so, I believe it means, so blown away. And so 
loving the way that God has extended his mercy to me. How can I do anything but love mercy and extend it to someone else? It's the beautiful word some of you are familiar with in Hebrew. Mercy is hesed. That could be translated as mercy or kindness or goodness and favor. And in this context, to one who is undeserving. And so as we see here in Micah 6, 8, that really what God wants from us or from you for Christmas is what He's given to you. And for you to pass it on to someone else. The gift of mercy. And as Micah gives us this Christmas prophecy, he reminds us that we need to look no farther than to Bethlehem in the manger to see the living embodiment of mercy. So last week, as we spoke on this first gift of, of justice, to do justice, to act justly, I, I gave you a, a, a practical homework assignment. And I ask you to, to, to do justice as the Bible defines justice, to find someone whose life is in crisis, to find someone who is desperately in need, who is desperately hurting, and someone who is less fortunate than you, maybe, maybe someone you don't even know, and give them a gift. Just in some way, give them a Christmas gift of kindness and love this Christmas season. So with today's lesson, I, I have another practical assignment. And please, this is not, okay, this is a nice way to end a sermon. I, I really would ask that you take this challenge this Advent season. But this one is going to be hard. Harder. It's going to be personal. As mercy is showing kindness and love and goodness to those who have hurt you and those who are under undeserving, I want to challenge you to, to identify one person in your life that has hurt you. One person that has treated you unkindly. Someone that maybe has spoken unkindly to you. To think of one person who absolutely deserves nothing good from you at all. Who is that person? Maybe you're seeing them right now in your mind. As, the, as we see in the definition of God's mercy in chapter 7, verse 18, He does not retain His anger forever. Is there someone against whom you are still Holding anger. And, and it actually feels good and rather justified. Who is that person who has so hurt you that they don't even deserve for you to ever speak to them again? And maybe you haven't spoken to them in a long time. And so then when this person comes to mind, what gift of mercy could you give to them this Christmas? A card? A present? Kind words? I don't have to think up ways. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit's doing that even now as, as I speak. What gift of mercy can you give that reflects the gift of God's mercy given to you? 
In what way can I express to this person my love and my forgiveness and my kindness in spite of what they have done? Just as God has shown to me His forgiveness in spite of what I have done. It has been 41 years since I received that gift from my parents on Christmas Eve. But I still remember it above all other gifts. Listen, this is what God wants for Christmas from you. You can make an impact in someone's life that they may be talking about 41 years from now. It's the greatest gift ever given. It's the gift given to us by God in Christ. And the gift God has called us to give to someone else this Christmas season. What does God want for Christmas from you? He has told us what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To love mercy. Let's stand and pray. Father, I'm not going to point at people now and say this is what you need to do and this is what you need to do and this is the person that you need to go and, and bless with the gift of mercy. I'm going to let you do that, Holy Spirit. You're so good at that. We help us open our, open our ears, our eyes, our hearts, everything that can be opened to grasp your goodness and your mercy and your kindness to us when we have been everything the opposite to you. And let us see, as our eyes are drawn to Bethlehem, to the Messiah, let us see the embodiment of that mercy and let it be lived out in our bodies, in our lives. I ask that you would, not, that you would reveal to us somebody specific to whom we can show and should show mercy. I ask that you would show us what that gift looks like in very practical ways. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.